0: Africa is the second largest continent with over 13 million kilometers of coastlines spanning 38 coastal states. So is the continent taking advantage of the ocean economies wave? I'm Alicia Seckham, and this is Africa Inc. Africa's Blue Economy could be a major avenue for growth, but only three countries, South Africa, Mauritius and the Seychelles, have developed a concrete investment and development game plan. The World Bank reckons that the maritime industry alone, spanning Africa's vast coastlines, is about $1 trillion a year. So first up, we'll be chatting to author of The Blue Economy and the Steve Jobs of Sustainability, Gunter Pauly, to unpack the ins and outs of some of the challenges and opportunities Africa boasts in that space as well as how investors can get their returns while being sustainably friendly circling closer to home the Eastern Cape is home to the largest industrial development zone in the global south, dedicated to maritime, aquaculture and export industrial activities. Keith Duplessis, who's head of project development at the Kucha Development Corporation, housed in the IDZ, will be chatting to us about how the ocean's economy forms a key part of Operation PAKISA, a government initiative that aims to speed up the goals in South Africa's national development plan. The Seychelles, in the meantime, is on track to becoming the region's blue economy hub last month they indicated a 15 million dollar blue bond in the pipeline and just this week the world bank announced its first project in the seychelles in three decades director of the investment advisory unit at the seychelles investment board neil lalant Renee joins us a bit later from the capital, Victoria, to discuss how the country is jumping on the blue economy wave. But before we delve in, let's cross over to Bronwyn for an overview of the blue economy seascape. Thanks, Alicia. Well, Africa's seas, oceans
1: and rivers are a major source of wealth, with the African Union heralding these resources as the new frontier of African Renaissance. Currently, the continent's coastline hosts a maritime industry estimated at $1 trillion a year, and some would say that's a conservative estimate. Africa has 38 coastal states and a number of island states as well, such as Mauritius, and collectively, the continent encompasses vast ocean territories of an estimated 13 million square kilometers an area lying under the sea that is equivalent to two-thirds of Africa's landmass. If fully exploited, this blue economy could catapult the continent's fortunes. Several African countries are making headway in ensuring this sector is part of their national development plans. South Africa, for example, has launched Operation Pakisa. Part of that project is a focus on the blue economy. By developing this sector, the government hopes to increase the ocean economy's contribution to GDP by around 350%. 50% of its present value to around 177 billion rand. It also aims to create 1 million new jobs by 2030. So while some, like South Africa, are seeing value, a lot more needs to be done across the continent. For example, African states have yet to request and obtain licenses from the International Seabed Authority for deep sea mining and a number of maritime and transnational aquatic boundaries are not delimited formally, which could potentially lead to tensions between neighbouring countries. Security is also a big concern. Ungoverned ocean space is often exploited by criminals, as is obvious in Libya, Somalia and Nigeria. A recent Greenpeace report shows that the West African region loses about $2 billion to illegal fishing alone. Alicia, it's back to you as you'll be discussing how Africa can develop a blue agenda and harness the growth in this sector.
0: Thanks, Bronwyn, for that. Well, to further unpack some of the ins and outs of Africa's blue economy potential and how the continent and business can better utilize Africa's ocean resources for returns and sustainable development, founder of the Zero Emissions Research at Initiatives, or ZERI, and author of The Blue Economy, Gunter Pauly, is with us on the line from Brussels now. Thanks, Gunther, for chatting to us uh, today. So let's start off with how you go about actually developing a blue economy. Because, of course, there are environmental considerations to be made here where sustainability is an imperative.
2: You know, the first thing we have to do is uh, basically look at all the resources we have locally available and analyze the opportunities. You know, unfortunately for the past uh, 20, 30 years, whenever we do something, we look at all the problems and all the pitfalls and we make reports and we make analysis and we have technology audits. Uh, What we are in most dire need of is a clear-cut focus on the opportunities. So what we do in order to get the blue economy off the ground, or let's say off the water, um, we need to focus on portfolios of opportunities. And if you don't see the opportunities, then, of course, you can't make best use of your resources.
0: Absolutely. Having said that, Gunther, what are some of the opportunities that are sitting on your radar at the moment?
2: You know, um, I, I've just arrived in Brussels uh, from Argentina, where we have been looking at gas production. I mean, energy requirements are very high. And I also understand that South Africa is facing major challenges with its energy supply. Argentina used to be a major... Uh, producer of uh, natural gas, its uh, wells are dry and now it must import uh, gas and even has to import some other uh, energy resources. We have now developed uh, the plan for Argentina with with 18,000 square kilometers of seaweed farming we're able to supply the total demand of energy gas for the whole nation and As a byproduct, we have fertilizer. Now, that is a typical case of what a blue economy can do. It is regenerating the biodiversity of the seaweeds. It is generating natural gas at 90% methane content, and it is providing a fertilizer. Now, that's how you get business going.
0: Okay, so that's some of the opportunity and a case study of an economy that is getting it right. Which countries in Africa are getting it more right than others, Gunther?
2: Well, what I am seeing in Africa is we haven't really started on exploring the opportunities. Um, so I think that the countries that have the best academia at the moment and that have done the first uh, project uh, you know, in Hankes Bay in Namibia, there is a major research center on how to use this incredible cold Benguela current that is providing so many nutrients from the Arctic. I don't see a similar pragmatism, for example, in South Africa. I see a very dedicated research ongoing in Tanzania, where on the islands of Zanzibar and Pemba and Mafia, um, you know, the, the exploitation of the natural resources of the sea are getting in much better attention, and, and then we have to go all the way up north uh, to, uh, to Mauritania Marita- and to Morocco. Um, so I think that unfortunately Africa has been looking way too much at the land And hasn't really been realizing that it is surrounded by an incredible sea with extraordinary resources.
0: Okay, so what's the trick to unlocking all of this, to translating theory into practice and unlocking that opportunity?
2: The first foremost thing is once you have your opportunities, of course you need a client. I mean, as we have done in Indonesia, the Indonesian state uh, electric company said, prove to us that you can generate 100 megawatts uh, of uh, electricity out of seaweed farms that will generate 6,000 jobs, well then you just prove it, of course, by signing a contract and making certain that the price is right. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to translate the opportunities in uh, contractual terms where one delivers and where one is able uh, to have uh, the right financing platform. Without financing, we all know nothing works. Uh, Without a customer, nothing works.
0: Uh, Günther, how much of a challenge is that for investors striking a balance between uh, environmentally sustainable projects that deliver sustainable profit or returns?
2: You know, it is much easier in the sea than you could ever do it uh, on land. You know, when you're doing a genetically modified uh, soy farm or, or maize farm, you know, well, we all know that it has the in and outs, and you can debate with the Greens, and we can debate with the investors, but it's a very difficult balance. Uh, on the other hand, when you're at the sea, you have a much greater degree of freedom to operate. I mean, we have, for example, done initiatives in Eritrea and in Colombia whereby there is a large-scale regeneration of mangroves and we plan the mangroves in such a way that we can harvest the naturally occurring shrimps inside the mangroves now how is it possible that uh, in in several uh, in several african countries including mozambique to name one one is importing feed for shrimps and one is destroying the mangroves in order to have a shrimp farm so that one can export to europe whereas we have proven we can actually regenerate the mangroves and have the shrimps naturally growing inside. Indonesia was the first one to copy this. We have 67 hectares of shrimp farms. And I just ask the people, what would be the return on investment when you have shrimps you don't have to feed? I mean, we know the economics is completely different. Now, not only that, we are shrimps that have regenerated and grow forests along the coast. Now, that's the kind of new business models. We have to put in this limelight
0: Okay, while those business models still need to be formulated and of course then articulated We had a uh, Bronwyn highlight earlier in the show that we've got South Africa's operation Pakisa, where government hopes to increase the oceans economy contribution to GDP by around 350% by 2030 how viable a target is that realistically speaking?
2: Well, if you get the signs right and if you get the capital investments right, it can even be a thousand percent more. But the problem is that if you don't have a very dedicated and focused plan, I mean, um, knowing South Africa a little bit, I'm wondering Sekundjalo, which uh, used to be so much in the fisheries and the sea resources, what are they putting their money in today? And it's not being put into the sea, it's being put in media. And and I can understand some diversifications going on, but we have to say that it's critical that the money is put where the mouth is, first. Second, though, we know that many countries, the challenge of exploiting the sea in a very sustainable and profitable way is that we're lacking the permits. There is not a clear-cut permitting system when you're operating in the sea. It is much easier in South Africa to get a license to mine Uh, for gold or for diamonds or for coal, then you can get a license to operate uh, at sea level. And I think that is where governments have to wake up. Simplify matters Yeah, be able to exploit what you have.
0: Some, Gunter, would find that very difficult to to believe with uh, the mining industry plagued by a whole lot of regulatory red tape at the moment. But let's leave it there. Thanks so much for having joined us uh, on the line this evening. That was Gunter Pauly, who's founder of Ziri. Straight after the break, we've got Keith Duplessis from the Kucha Development Corporation chatting to us about whether the Eastern Cape is on track to becoming a blue economy hub in Africa's most industrialized economy. So stay tuned for that. The Kucha Industrial Development Zone provides investors, both domestic and foreign, with a gateway to various maritime export and trade opportunities. It includes the largest IDZ in the southern hemisphere, and that's Port Nkura, a multi deep water harbour giving access to global markets. Now, the ocean's economy has been flagged as one of the key areas of focus in uh, South Africa's government uh, national development plan. So we've got Keith Duplessis from the Kucha Development Corporation with us. Us on the line now to chat about how South Africa is faring with integrating the blue economy into its growth aspirations thanks so much Keith for joining us on the line uh, today so let's get straight into the investment case that we're potentially looking at here how solid an investment case is the blue economy putting on the table for investors
3: well um, th- there's obviously a lot of aspects in terms of, of the blue economy in which people can get involved with uh that's ranging, obviously, from your oil and gas right through to um, what I'm involved in, which is your aquaculture space. And um, uh, in aquaculture, obviously, we see that as a, as a major growth area uh, for, for, for the country. And um, uh, especially because, obviously, our current contribution to the, to the world, um, aquaculture uh, economy is actually very low. Um, it's a fraction of a percentage point, so so there's obviously a lot of space for us to move in terms of our, of our aquaculture.
0: Uh, take us through what aquaculture is in the first place, and the kind of growth potential you foresee.
3: So, so aquaculture is basically uh, the, the the farming of of uh, your fish species. Um, uh, it, well, it can it can be fish or, um, or even your your uh, uh, your plant, uh, species like seaweed. Uh, in, a, in an artificial, I would say artificial environment, um, where, um, where, they, where these uh, species are then reared uh, and uh, uh, to a point where it can be sold um, uh, at an economically, uh, obviously, a, a viable um, a point. So, um, for for us to, to to get involved in aquaculture um, is is obviously a huge opportunity, simply because. Um, this, this uh, sector has been growing worldwide at, at uh, I think, close to 8%, uh, 8 to 10%. And, and in South Africa, actually there was actually no growth in this sector or very minimal growth in this sector over the past few years.
0: Okay, so how do we start getting investors to buy into this and essentially take the bait here? Uh, you know, how does that opportunity uh, present itself in a more appealing manner?
3: So South Africa, unfortunately um, it, We have this Very bureaucratic system when it comes to uh, When it comes to getting involved In, in this sector, so, so there's a lot of Red tape in terms of your environmental legislation um, so, so what we as KUKA What we have decided to do is, is To try and, and eliminate some of that mm-hmm. So what we realize is that a lot of The small investors that want to get involved in this Space, they normally uh, they, they, get, they get stuck when it Comes to this, um, uh, to this Environmental legislation, it takes you a year to get the, your EIA and, and and all those type of things so we, we then decided to, to try and create what we call an investment ready platform we will go out and, and do the EIA for the investor and, and uh, so what we've done is we did a pre-feasibility to see what species um, would be would be viable in, 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 um, in, our, um, in our area um, we isolated a 440 hectare piece of real estate inside the KUKA uh, Industrial Development Zone and, and then uh, what we did then is we went out and we uh, procured uh, the services of, uh, of an environmental uh, practitioner to, to do uh, to do this environmental um, in, impact assessment for us. And we are basically on the on the I would want to say on the cuff of, of actually receiving the record of decision for for our companies to actually come and start investing in this space.
0: So how are you rating investor appetite
3: right now? <laughs> it's difficult to say because at this stage. Um, uh, everybody, uh, because they realize obviously uh, that um, that this the, that we have, we have eliminated a lot of the 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 rate for them, we've we've got a very high appetite at this stage. Um, we've got a, a series uh, um, uh, of of investors that are interested in all kinds of aquaculture, ranging from your aquaponics, which is your 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 freshwater aquaculture uh, combined with hydroponics. Uh, until your your larger players uh, in the in the abalone space Uh,
0: obviously yeah eliminating cumbersome red tape uh, is one thing and that of course acts as some incentive but uh, the real incentive of course is the rate of return the investor is potentially looking at here I mean are have you done any forecasts on what investors are potentially looking like uh, looking at if they pursue this avenue I
3: think it, it It will obviously differ from from investor to investor and, and also the species that, this, that that the investor will get involved with so if we for example look at um, at your high um, high value commodities like abalone um, you you uh, you you can basically um, you can be you can be sure that you will have a real good return on your investment obviously based on the size of the investment that you put in the uh, the the tonnage that you want to to uh, uh, produce, so all those things have uh, play a, in, an important role in terms of how much or how quick you will have uh, your your um, investment uh, paid off uh, back to you. So. Um, I would say it's difficult to answer because it's it, it species specific. Your lower value commodities mm-hmm. obviously take take a little bit longer to to, to, to give you a return on investment.
0: Uh, Keith, ahead of the break, I was chatting to Gunter Pauli, who was outlining for us some of the uh, you know the global playing field and the kind of activity we're seeing on that end. How is South Africa uh, trying to leverage off that? Uh, are we seeing any knowledge transfer happen where there are partnerships between local and global players? To develop this space even more extensively.
3: Absolutely, I think um, uh, our local university, the Nelson Mandela University, um, they just opened their open uh, their ocean sciences um, uh, uh, unit uh, last week, and um, there we we had uh, uh, a lot of international players. For uh, for example, your 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 Norwegian and Finnish um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, expertise. So so they will play a key role in, in terms of developing our our, our, uh, aquaculture space and and also other uh, maritime um, uh, activities that we uh, are currently being involved with.
0: Let's leave it there, Keith. Thanks so much for having joined us on the line this evening. Keith Duplessis is with the Kucha Development Corporation. Up next, the Seychelles is scaling up on its ocean potential, particularly in sustainable fishing. And we find out from the Seychelles Investment Board what their blue economy has to offer, so don't go away. The Seychelles is one of the only other countries on the continent, aside from South Africa and Mauritius, that's developed a blue economy policy. Its blue economy strategy aims to sustainably manage the country's marine resources, ensure food security, diversify the economy and create high-value jobs. And with Seychelles Investment Board set up to promote the Seychelles as an international investment business and service centre, Neil Lalonde-René, who's director of the Investment Advisory unit on that end was scheduled to join us on the line to take a closer look at the kind of investment the blue economy is managing to garner right now. Unfortunately, we're struggling to get him on the line this evening, but just a few key aspects to consider when it comes to uh, the kind of investment that's being made in this space. The World Bank is backing a planned $15 million blue bond for the Seychelles, which will fund sustainable fisheries, and where that goes towards training fisheries to use more sea friendly techniques uh, there's also this commitment to protecting 30% of its waters by 2020 half of which will be off limits to fishing and that creating somewhat of a tricky balancing act to perform where you've got fishermen highly concerned about what this would spell for their profitability down the line as various areas become no go zone territory so that's some of what's been playing out in that space unfortunately we'll have to pick that conversation conversation up at another time so that's where we leave it with you for this week's show but we'll see you same time same place next week from me alicia second and the rest of the team it's cheers for now